timing is so wonderful uh, on that. And uh, I'm going to ask you at some point to sing that again for us. Just put that on schedule. And uh, Luke and Eileen, you guys put the song that you sang for Brother Charles Maestas funeral. Put that back on schedule too. Uh, so we'll have you uh, sing that uh, here for us sometime. Uh, Psalm 46, verse number 10. That's not what I'm preaching on tonight. So if you want to turn to James chapter 4, uh, you can turn to James chapter 4 in preparation uh, here tonight. But uh, it was um, uh, many years ago now, uh, I was going through something and and uh, I just had not shared it uh, really with anyone, kind of kept it to myself, but it was a heavy, heavy weight. And uh, you ever, ever have those weights, you're not sure if you're going to make it. And uh, here, here we are kind of like the children of Israel. Uh, they... Uh, had been delivered by God over and over again, and then they get into the wilderness, and there's no water, and they think God's going to kill them. And uh, then they have no food, and they think God's going to kill them. Uh, so often we're that way, and uh, I was going through one of those waits at uh, this time, and uh, though the Lord had been so good to me many, many times in the past, uh, I just felt that weight was so big that I couldn't carry it. And somebody not knowing the situation simply texted to me Psalm 46, verse number 10, where it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And uh, stand still and know that I'm God. And that's how God uh, got me through that. Just that little simple text and I'm sharing with you. If God puts somebody upon your heart to encourage them or exhort them or be a blessing to them, there's a reason for it. And the individual who texted that to me had no idea that I so needed that verse at that time. And uh, the Lord was, was so gracious in, in all of that. So uh, stand still, be still, and know that I am God. Let's take our Bibles this, this evening to the book of James, chapter 4. Uh, James, chapter 4. And if you're able to stand with me, let's stand as we read uh, some of these verses here tonight. We've preached already on the first 12 verses now twice. But I want to pick up here in the midst of this section at verse number 6. Verse number 6. And uh, this reads, He giveth, but he giveth more grace. And I want to, want to just deal with this topic tonight. God giveth grace, but he giveth more grace. God giveth grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I, I read about a situation uh, here just uh, this past week where somebody... Uh, began to pray, Lord, humble me. And that's, that's pretty dangerous right there, uh, that, that thought, Lord, humble me. What the Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And uh, when we come uh, with this uh, uh, place, our heart of humility, uh, God uh, giveth grace. He giveth more grace. And we're going to deal with that topic here tonight. I think it's such a, a crucial topic, and I know uh, so many going through different things and and I believe here's our answer tonight. Uh, right here in the Word of God goes right along with the song that we just heard tonight. Uh, be still and know that I'm God. You'll join me. Let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. And uh, let's ask His help tonight. And as always, we need Him. 
And uh, let's take a moment just to yield to him tonight. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're so good to us, your God. And thank you, Lord, just uh, we've been challenged in song tonight. Just been a blessing to be in this place tonight. And, and Lord, just to stand still, to be still, know that you're God. And, Lord, we're asking your help. We're asking your grace tonight. And, uh, Lord, we need you. Uh, we need to hear from heaven. And, Lord, we want to submit ourselves to you. We want to draw nigh to you. We want to humble ourselves before you. And, God, just asking you to exalt your name here tonight. We pray all of this in the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. Again, verse number 6 uh, makes the statement, but he giveth more grace. And when we speak of grace, uh, we're, uh, we're speaking of God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, uh, we're talking about God doing through us what we cannot do ourselves. Uh, uh, grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. I, I like the definition uh, that uh, the book of Philippians uh, speaks of. Uh, it's God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's really grace. It's God working in our heart to change our desires, to be pleasing to him. And then it's God giving us the power uh, to fulfill those desires. You know, sometimes there are those that they want to do right, but they don't have the power to do right. And uh, then there are some that just don't want to do right. Well, God gives us the desires, but then he gives us the power uh, to fulfill his will. Now, the fact is tonight, we need God's grace. In every single letter that Paul wrote, uh, he gives a blessing of grace upon the hearers. Uh, he wrote to Timothy, he says, uh, Be thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he's exhorting Timothy, Timothy, you're going to need in ministry uh, the grace of God. Be strong in that grace. And interestingly, the book of Revelation completes uh, this thought, uh, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's a fitting way to complete the Bible, isn't it? The grace of our Lord be with you. Now, as we think about the need for grace tonight, we, we need grace in every aspect. It's by grace that we're saved. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. And it's God that gives you the desire to be saved. And it's God then that gives you the power for salvation. And that's God's grace. Uh, uh, sanctification, after we're saved, uh, the Lord wants to clean us up, doesn't he? Uh, he wants to make us like the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're, we're going to be marching through uh, the book of Joshua uh, just a bit. And uh, the book of Joshua is a book of sanctification because the children of Israel entered into the promised land, but there were enemies in the land. And when you get saved, you still have the old flesh, you still have the old nature, and, and there are still those things in your life that God has to clean up in your heart and your life. Aren't you thankful you look back on your salvation? You're not what you used to be, are you? And uh, you've been moving in the direction of the Lord. I look at how God uh, changed uh, the music I would listen to, the places I would want to go, the things that I would want to do, uh, the entertainment. He changes every area of our life. And uh, sanctification is that process by which God molds us to the character of Jesus Christ. If you look here in James chapter 4, uh, in James chapter 4, in that sanctification process, there's deliverance from the lust of our flesh. If you look at verse number 1, he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Now come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust 
and you have not, you kill, you desire to have, you cannot attain, you fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Uh, we battle the flesh, don't we? Any of you, any of you gain complete victory over your flesh yet? Okay. Uh, you're like uh, Paul, and Paul made the statement uh, that uh, uh, to, to will is present with me, but how to do, I know not. And uh, uh, Paul says, uh, in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. And uh, we discover that, the lust of the flesh, that covetousness. And it's kind of like uh, Achan. Achan saw a goodly Babylonian garment, and he lusted after that, and he partook of it and, and brought uh, judgment upon his nation. Uh, King David faced uh, difficulty, the lust of the flesh. He saw Bathsheba and uh, lusted, and uh, he partook, and uh, the consequences that came upon his family. Uh, God offers grace. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So in that sanctification, there's deliverance from the loss of the flesh. Uh, notice also in James 4, verse number 4, uh, God offers grace for the deliverance from the love of the world. He says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. And, and so the world has destroyed many a servant of God. Uh, Abraham, because of a famine, went to Egypt. It's a picture of the world, and he faced consequences there in the world. And then later, a lot lifted up his eyes, and he beheld the plains of Sodom. It was well watered like the land of Egypt, and Lot went towards the world and lost his family. Uh, Paul told us about Demas, having forsaken me, having loved this present world. And so there's the battle with the world, but God offers grace for victory over the world. Look in uh, James chapter 1 and verse number 27. He says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless, the widows in their affliction, but notice this, to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so God offers deliverance in that sanctification process from the world. Uh, then there's deliverance from the devil. Uh, the devil's a liar. And uh, James chapter 4 mentions here that uh, uh, the, the devil, we're to resist the devil in verse number 7, and he will flee from you. Uh, the old devil deceived Eve and brought judgment uh, upon Eve and uh, upon Adam. Uh, but God gives grace for that war against the devil. And so that sanctification process, it's of God's grace in our lives. And then not only are we saved by grace, we're sanctified by grace, but our service to God is by grace. Uh, we can't serve in our flesh. Uh, Paul the Apostle understood this as he spoke to the, uh, the Corinthian church. And he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, uh, that your faith uh, should not be in, in, in me, but it would be in the, the power of God. And he understood the weakness and uh, serving the Lord, uh, he needed the grace of God. And then we suffer and go through trials. Go back to James chapter 1. And uh, we need God's grace in our suffering to stand still and know that I'm God. In James 1 verse number 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. In James 1 verse number 12, he said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so God gives grace in the midst of our suffering. Now, if you look back to James chapter 4, we see that this grace is absolutely essential. But what is the path of God's grace? Uh, look in James 4 and verse number 6. He says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Now, so often we fail of God's grace because of pride. Uh, don't ever come to the point that you think you can do it without God. Uh, don't ever come to the point you, you can say, I, I don't need God. Uh, the moment you come to that place, you're going to fall. I think of uh, my, my nephew, and uh, he was just a little boy, and uh, he, uh, they had pulled the truck up to an area, and uh, he was going to get out of the truck, and somebody reached to uh, take him out of the truck. He's just a little boy just learning to walk, and he said, I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And as he's getting out of the truck, this little boy got his foot caught and just fell right over, hit his head right on the, on the, the driveway uh, right there. And, and uh, what, a, what a picture of how we are sometimes with the Lord. I can do it myself. And we are just like my little nephew. We fall flat on our face when we come to that point. And so uh, God resists the proud. But the Bible said he gives grace to the humble. He giveth more grace. And there is sufficient grace for every trial. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know this, he does. And I know that he, if he's allowing you to go through it, he has grace for it. He giveth more grace. And that grace comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It comes from Christ. And there's an ample supply. It's like a vast ocean. Uh, every need that you have, you will never exhaust God's supply of grace. He giveth more grace. Uh, the Bible says he giveth grace to the humble. Now that's the thought that I want to take tonight. And we've already presented these, uh, these principles, but I'm, I'm going to build upon these principles tonight. How can you find that grace? How can you humble yourself before God and know that all-sufficient grace? How can you take your cup to that ocean of God's supply and dip that cup into that ocean and find grace for that particular need, for that trial that you're facing? Well, the Bible outlines that for us here, and that's what we're going to look at tonight as soon as I take a drink. But you'll notice in verse number 7, we find that grace by submission to God. In James 4, verse 7, it reads, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submission to God. Now, keep your place in the book of James, and we're going to give you several instances of this submission and show you how God gives grace. Turn your Bibles, very familiar passage, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're to submit ourselves to God's will. Submission to the will of God. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 1. It reads, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And here the Bible tells us that we are to surrender ourselves and present ourselves a living sacrifice. It blesses my heart to know this. God has a good and an acceptable and a perfect will for each and every one of us. Uh, God's will for each of us is always best. Uh, I read of a young man, he was afraid of God's will. And I could identify with this. I, I somehow knew as a little boy that God wanted me to be a preacher, but I didn't want to be a preacher. I was afraid of God's will. And this little boy, uh, his fear, this young man, his fear was that the will of God might be dangerous. And his fear was that in the will of God, he might miss out on something that uh, would be joyful in his life. And uh, somebody explained to him that in the will of God, he would be safer than he would anywhere else. And that in the will of God, he would have more joy than he would in any other place or any other position to be in the will of God. And you know, that's, this is pride. It's pride to think, I know better than God. And it's pride to think, well, I, I, and I've heard people say this, I know that this is not what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll just suffer the consequences. And those consequences become very, very dangerous. God resists the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. And in that humility, there must be a submission to the will of God. Uh, there must be this willingness to trust God with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. And that will be the best place for you, is submitted to the will of God, humbling yourself to His will. If you'll turn forward to the book of 1 Peter, uh, not only are we to be submissive to His will, but we ought to be submissive to His concern for us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, you're familiar with this because we preached through this recently. In verse number 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. How many times do we carry a burden or a load and we don't give it to God? And you know that's pride. God resists the proud. But when we cast that load, that care upon the Lord, he careth for you. If it concerns you, it concerns him. And it's in casting that burden, giving that care to the Lord, uh, that you find the grace of God in your life. And so submission not only to his will, but submission to his concern for you. You know, so many times in pride, it's like this again, I can do it myself. I, I don't need the Lord's help. This one, I've got this one. Uh, that's the problem, uh, and it's when you think you've got it that you don't have it, and, uh, and you're headed for, for trouble and heartache. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. In submission to God, there needs to be submission to his chastening hand. In Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, verse number 5, here is a, a strong warning and verse number 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, and, and look at this statement, Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, 
nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. He says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So many times we get bitter at God when we go through difficulties rather than just submitting ourselves to his discipline, submitting ourselves to his chastening. And uh, it's in that bitterness we become, if we're not careful, uh, look in verse 15 of Hebrews 12. I think this was the problem with Esau. He says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And it's very evident here that Esau despised the chastening of the Lord. He did not submit himself uh, to God's discipline. Uh, he got bitter at God. Now, uh, you say, preacher, somebody wronged me. Somebody said something. Somebody hurt me very deeply. Uh, you know, that people hurt us and you hurt people. And uh, sometimes hurt people hurt people. And sometimes you go through things like that. And if God has allowed you to go through that, don't get bitter at the Lord. Don't get bitter at the situation. Don't get bitter at the person. Uh, but rather, find the grace of God to extend the forgiveness of God. As Christ has forgiven you, even so, forgive. And uh, God will give you the grace uh, to uh, give forgiveness. If you get bitter at people and you get bitter at what you're facing and you hold that bitterness deep in your heart and don't look to God for the grace to forgive and the grace uh, to move forward, uh, friend, it will destroy you. Then many roots of bitterness will spring up and trouble others and, and uh, great difficulties come in homes and families and churches because we don't submit to God and his discipline. We don't trust the Lord to give forgiveness through us, and thus uh, we destroy uh, our lives. And uh, we, we, in pride, I think, again, we know better than God, and in pride, uh, we say, well, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. And in pride, uh, they hurt me, I have every right to be bitter. Uh, they did me wrong, I can hold that inside. And in pride, uh, we, God resists that proud, uh, but he giveth grace to the humble. So submission to God, submission to his will, submission to his concern, submission to his chastening. We find grace by submission to the Lord. Now go back to James chapter number 4. We find grace by submission to God, but a part of this humility, we find grace by drawing nigh to God. This is so important. In verse number 8, draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Now, we mentioned already we war against our flesh, and our flesh is weak. As Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now, victory over the flesh can come as we draw close unto the Lord. Uh, you know, that, that flesh, it's a constant battle. There is no temptation. We mentioned taking you, but so is common to man, but God is faithful, not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. With temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, here's our, our problem. Uh, we try to get as close to the temptation as we can without going all the way. And that's the danger. Uh, God says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. You see, the victory over the flesh comes by getting as close to the Lord as you can. You're weak. You can't handle it. Uh, we are to pray, lead me not into temptation. 
uh, we ought not pray, Lord, let me face the temptation and then stand against it. No, lead me not into temptation. I want to get as far away from sin and my flesh as I possibly can. I, I'm not strong enough uh, to, to handle my flesh. I can't put myself in a position. It's kind of like this. If, if the doctor tells me if, if I eat uh, sweets and candy and, and ice cream, I'm going to die. It would be foolish for me to go to Dairy Queen and look at their menu and just look at those beautiful pictures of all those ice cream cones and, and uh, what do you call the one? They turn it upside down, and if it uh, falls out, they give it to you. And, uh, you know, it would be dumb to look at all of that and try to resist that temptation. No, I, I need to get as close to the Lord as I can. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And uh, so we war against the, the flesh, but we war against the world. The whole world is, is real. It's constantly putting pressure upon us. And we can't serve both God and the world. Uh, you can't put one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord. It just never works. Either you're going to love the one and hate the other, or else you'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so we, we draw nigh to God, and as we do so, he becomes precious. And the closer we are to the Lord, the more we love the Lord and the more that the world loses its lure upon our life. And uh, so the closer we get to the Lord, the more precious he is, and the more we despise the things of the world. Uh, the world cannot give us anything that God has to offer. Uh, the world cannot satisfy like the Lord. Uh, the Lord cannot bless like the Lord. Uh, there's nothing that can satisfy like a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, any time that I, I see somebody uh, go off to the world and away from God, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Uh, tell you the problem with Demas is Demas got his eyes off of the Lord. Uh, Demas did not draw nigh to the Lord. Demas did not spend time in the Word of God, and he did not spend time in prayer, and thus the world lured him away. And, uh, you know, that, that so often, anytime I see somebody go to the world, I know they got out of the word of God. And they weren't meditating in God's word. They weren't walking with the Lord. And they weren't drawing nigh to God. We war against this flesh. We war against the world. Uh, we war against the devil. Uh, we're in a war, in a battle. It's a very real battle. Uh, go with me to the book of Ephesians for just a moment. Ephesians. How do we defeat the devil? He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, we find here in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, uh, in verse number 12, uh, we read, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, we're, we're in a war. It's a spiritual battle. How do we win in this battle? Go back to verse number 10. He says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What did he tell us in James? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You can't do it on your own. You can't stand in your flesh. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Uh, verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. 
as we draw nigh to God, as we resist the devil, he flees from us. Satan hates the presence of God. And if we can grasp this thought, Satan hates the presence of God, so wouldn't it make sense the closer we can get to God, uh, the more Satan would flee from us. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. So how do we gain God's grace? Well, we submit to the Lord. We draw nigh to the Lord. Go back to James chapter 4 and verse number 10. Humble yourselves. This is a conscious choice and effort. Humble yourselves, in verse 10, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. When we come to this place of humbling ourselves before God, we, we acknowledge God's right to our lives. In creation, does not God have a right to you? He, he's your maker. I believe that uh, there's no such thing as an atheist today. An atheist is one that's got a heart problem. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. The problem is the atheist does not want the Lord, and thus he resists the Lord, and that's pride. And uh, We acknowledge God has a right to our lives. He's our maker. He has a right to our obedience in creation. But if you're saved, that goes even deeper. The Lord has a right to you through salvation. He purchased you with his blood. You don't belong to you. You belong to the Lord. I, people have asked me, Pastor, is it, is it okay for me to go and tattoo up my body? Uh, well, you don't belong to you. Okay? Do you want somebody coming over to your house and uh, marking up your house all over? No, your, your body doesn't belong to you. It's the Lord's. It, it's the Lord Jesus Christ belongs to him. And what the Bible teaches over and over, what? No, you're not, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So in humility, we acknowledge God's right to our lives. In humility, we acknowledge our need of God. Now, I want to just look here, if you would, back to James chapter 4. And verse number 8, because I believe this is so needed for our day today. In verse number 8, it again reads, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Notice this statement, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Now, if we are going to know uh, the blessing of God in our life, it comes in this state of humility and, and coming and seeking the Lord for forgiveness of sin and search me, O oh God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. If we're going to know the power of God uh, and revival in our land and revival in our hearts, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time. And uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you know this verse. If my people called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sins, and then will I heal their land. Thoroughly convinced of this, that anybody can know the touch of God and the power of God for their life if they're willing. Anybody that will come in this place and this state of humility before the Lord uh, can find that God 
will give you grace for whatever you face, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through. I believe anybody can have revival if you're willing to come and follow this principle set forth in James chapter 4. You know, we already mentioned David, that David in pride uh, fought the lust of the flesh and, and uh, the consequence in his life. And Nathan the prophet came and said, uh, David, you're the man. And David in Psalm 51 fell before the Lord. And he called out to God in, in a state of humility, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my sin and my transgression is ever before me against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be just when thou condemnest. And, and, uh, and so David pours his heart out before God in that state of humility. Uh, David in that psalm acknowledged, Lord, it's not sacrifice that you want from me, but what you want is brokenness, brokenness. And it's that brokenness before God, it's that humility before God that leads to the blessing of God, leads to the forgiveness of God. You know, there are, there are times in, in our lives when we have failed and God wants brokenness. There are times when others have failed and God wants brokenness. There are times when maybe we're facing trials and difficulties and it's beyond us and God wants brokenness. And God wants us to come in that state of humility. Isaiah 57 in verse number 15 says that the Lord dwells with the one that is of a contrite spirit, a humble spirit, and, and that broken heart. That's the one that the Lord, he's the high and lofty one, but he dwells one uh, of a contrite heart. You know, God has always helped the humble of heart. And he's always worked through the humble of heart. I believe he does that because he deserves the glory. And, and what we find, uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've fallen flat on my face because I said, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. And I've fallen on my face. But I, I thank the Lord for the times where I've come and said, Lord, I, I need you. I, I can't do this. I've got to have your touch. I need your hand. I need you. I, I was thinking back to uh, really before I ever came to Valley Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I had preached here in view of a call. And uh, the way the church did it, uh, they, they had to have uh, three people come. And uh, I preached here in view of a call. I told uh, folks, I think one of the three was blind and the other one was uh, short and a midget. And there was myself. And so uh, there were the three of us. But uh, I had preached in view of a call. And I got a call from somebody who was here in the church at that time. And uh, maybe you remember Rita Vest and her husband had passed away and the church had no pastor. And uh, so received a call and uh, uh, preacher, would you come and preach my, my husband's funeral? And I wasn't even the pastor and I had never preached a funeral before. I didn't know what to do. I, boy, I, you talk about nervous, and uh, not even the pastor here, never preached a funeral before, and that was going to be my first service here at Valley Bible Baptist before the church had ever called me uh, to pastor. And I came back, and, and I remember just crying out to the Lord, Lord, I'll blow this, uh, but God was so good, so good. 
Remember the first time I baptized somebody. I had never baptized somebody before. I remember thinking about this. What if I fall down and drop them in the water? And, and uh, what's going to happen? They pull me under the water. And uh, uh, I'd never baptized anybody. So I practiced and practiced. And, and then I remember the first time I made a hospital visit. I'd never, I didn't know somebody on their deathbed. And uh, it, I didn't know what to say, didn't know how to comfort, how to deal with the family that was given that person was going to die. How do you deal with that? And I thought about this. During those experiences, I, I came, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I, I need you. I need you. And you know, God is always good. And he always gives you the grace for what you need at that time. But Jonah, here's what I found. That was my first funeral way back then. But since that time, I've done many, many funerals. And here's the danger, is now we come to the point, I've done this before, I've got this. I visited many times in the hospital on deathbed experiences. I've done this before. Lord, I don't need you now. I've got this. That's where I find over and over that I fail. And that's where I have to come each time humbly and just say, Lord, I need you just as real this time as I needed you back then. I, I need you, in fact, even more now than I needed you back then. Lord, just help me through this. You know, sometimes uh, we, we go through things and we think, I've done this before. I can do this. Well, you know, not without the Lord. You need the Lord and need his grace and need his guidance. And he giveth more grace. That's what the Bible teaches here. He giveth more grace. His grace is sufficient for us. Let's bow our heads.